want you to open your Bible with me, and uh, what I'm going to share, I'm going to share, I was supposed to be doing a series on honour, I've got it down to one at the moment, so I'll have to fit some more in somewhere else, but uh, I'm sure other people will be sharing on a similar topic. So I want you to read this verse with me, and uh, it's found in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Here it is, I'm going to read it from New King James, and then read it from uh, Passion Translation. And here's what it says, it says, Honour all people. How about that? Honour all people. Love the brothers or the brotherhood. Fear God or respect God. Honour the king. And you read this in the Passion Translation, 1 Peter 2.17. Recognise the value of every person. Isn't that a great statement? Recognise the value of every person. So it doesn't say people don't have value, it says... The issue is one of recognizing the value in people. And it says, and continuously show love to every believer. Live your lives with great reverence and in a holy awe or respect of God and honor your rulers or those who lead you. Isn't it interesting that Peter would write, honor the king, when the king threw him in jail unjustly and he suffered in prison, had to be delivered and set free. But he could still say, honor the king. And so we want to talk about honour and I want to open some things up. Let me just share with you just a testimony. I remember sitting in a meeting many, many years ago, I don't know, so many years ago, I've forgotten, but it was somewhere around in the 1970s, about 1974. And uh, I was sitting in a meeting and someone shared a message on the kingdom of God. I'd never heard anyone teach on the kingdom of God before. And he shared insight that the kingdom of God comes as an invisible kingdom into our heart, but it will also come as a kingdom in power and glory on the earth. And that the season of history that we live in now preceding the coming of the Lord is the season when God is preparing us for roles and responsibilities in that kingdom. That's the core of the message. I've looked at the message since and uh, I, I couldn't see a lot in it that I do see now, but the Holy Spirit brought a revelation to me of the kingdom of God, both now and a coming kingdom that I must prepare for. That all of my life here now is just the apprenticeship. The real deal will be what happens in the coming of the kingdom. And with the revelation of the kingdom came a revelation of authority and the importance of honoring authority. Now, I must admit, I had a lot of issues in my own heart around that area, and it was like a deep, instant conviction that there's many places where my life is out of order when it comes to authority. And the first thing that God spoke to me immediately was, you need to be baptized. People had talked to me about it, and I thought, because I've been sprinkled, I've been baptized, immediately I knew I need to submit to the Word of God. No one talked to me about it. It came immediately out of the revelation of responding and relating right and aligning with authority. The second thing that happened was I realized that I was very tardy in administration in the job I was doing, and it must have been an enormous frustration to my boss. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to go and put the matter right. And so on the Monday, I had to humble myself I went in to my, uh, the boss and I said to him, I want to have just a few minutes of your time. And when you're doing this kind of thing, you make it very simple and you give it honor to God. I said, I've been at a meeting 
and God has spoken directly to my heart to show that I have a bad attitude towards authority, that I've had to repent and change. And I said, one of the ways it showed up that has been effect, having effect on you, which is negative, is that I've been slow in responding to what you've required of me in the area of administration. So I want to first of all ask you to forgive us and apologize for this and undertake that I will make sure everything is in on time in the future. Well, to say he was shocked is an understatement. <laughs> you see, it's very succinct, <clears throat> very, very simple. God is the source of this. He showed me where I've been going wrong. I wanted to apologize and put it right and undertook and committed to do it. And uh, that person later on was responsible for me getting a promotion. I went from one degree of favor to another in that work situation until I rose to probably one of the to, to exceedingly great influence, not only in the school uh, where I taught, but also in the education community, being invited then to be part of curriculum development within the nation. But sometimes we don't realize that it can be the simplest thing that shifts how your life goes. It can also be the simplest thing that blocks you going anywhere and leads to frustration. And one of the issues is we live in a culture which is incredibly dishonoring of God, but it's also dishonoring of people. It's something distinctive about the New Zealand culture. Have one of my friends call it the shrinking machine. The shrinking machine. And uh, if you, you, because New Zealand culture is affected very much by what you call the tall poppy syndrome. When someone succeeds or rises up, everyone sort of says, well, who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than us? Yeah. You understand, that's a deep root of bitterness and rejection, and it's a dishonoring of people who, who through whatever means have achieved or gained distinction or honor in their field, have been successful in their field, or have been positioned in a place of influence. And so frequently you'll hear people criticizing anyone who succeeds. In other words, it creates an environment or a culture where success and standing out is resisted and people are pulled down, you know, like frogs in a, in a bucket, pulled down to, to like uh, crabs in a bucket, they get nowhere. Have you ever seen crabs in a bucket? Yeah, the crabs will all climb on one another. No crab gets out of the bucket. It's true, none get out of the bucket. They could all get out of the bucket, but because they compete to get on top of one another, they never get out of the bucket. Quite a strange situation. So this is a, a growing problem in our nation, and particularly in the culture that's uh, developing right now, we see that if you have a different opinion to what others think, if you hold to conservative or biblical values, then you're not only dishonored, but you are ridiculed and despised for holding a different opinion and value. Now that, that tells something about the culture that's developing. Yeah. It's not a healthy culture, it's a destructive culture. Yeah. And it's not the kingdom of God, it's not the kingdom of heaven. So if we challenge or stand up to any social narrative, then there will be an immediate reaction and shaming, uh, which is in other words, exactly the opposite of honor. It's a dishonoring the person and not considering the argument. It's a terrible development that's taking place right now, and you'll find it around a number of different issues that uh, people, instead of uh, talking and discussing uh, points of view, they attack the person who carries the message. And uh, so that's an issue in our society. It's a distinct issue in New Zealand culture, that in New Zealand culture, it takes immense and enormous 
commitment and strength to rise above that social pressure downwards of dishonor. Now, other cultures are a bit different to our culture. Uh, if we look at cultures around the world, you find that 70% of the world culture is what's called an honor-shame culture, 70%. We're in the 20%, we're based on a law-based culture, but honor-shame cultures include uh, Pacifica, Polynesian, Asia, African, South American, they, it's about 70% of the world's population. And in an honor-shame culture, you notice there, uh, it's not a biblical culture, it's actually a culture formed out of reaction to the fall of man and the experience of shame to try and establish honour. So in those cultures, typically, honour is given only upwards, never downwards. And in fact, downwards, people are dishonoured and shamed in order to control them and get them compliant. So the, the, you see these things in culture. Notice the command of God. The command of God is very clear. So when we talk about the command of God, we're talking about the culture of the kingdom of God, which is a culture of honor. And here's what Peter had to say, honor all people. Honor all people. We are to honor those in authority over us. So we're to recognize when people carry a rank or a stature or a position that's above us and not to react and resist, but to place honor on them in that role. We're to honor our peers and our brothers. He said, love the brothers. It's in the same context of honor. We're to love those who are our peers, not compete with them and try and show we're better than them, rather honor them. And then we are to honor people who we are responsible for, to honor people that perhaps carry a lower status financially, socially, academically, doesn't really matter what. They may carry a low, lower ability or capacity. Nevertheless, we are still to honor them. So honor is directed upwards. Honor is directed sideways. Honor is directed down. That is the kingdom of God. And cultures that dysfunction will always dishonor one of those three groups, either those above us, those alongside us, or those who are lower than us or that we are responsible for. So if we're going to thrive, we need to then embrace the culture that is the culture of heaven, which is a culture of honoring or placing value on all people. Does that make sense? Well, that would pretty well summarize. I'll give you more though. I want to focus on one aspect. And uh, I want to just look at honor and uh, talk a little bit more about it. And then I want to focus on honoring those in authority over us. Because if we can't give honor upwards, we will never have honor come down upon us. And it's a crucial key for success in life and success in the kingdom. So I'll open this up. And these things come out of things that I have learned because I put into practice honor. I have experienced honor and I have thrived. I've experienced dishonor and struggled and lived under spiritual attack and pressure consistently for quite some time. I know both situations and I know which one I'd rather be in. One causes you to thrive, the other causes you to shrink. Eh? Okay then, so first of all, let's just look at, at, uh, at honor and, and just inquire about what honor is. The first thing to see is that man was created for honor. You were created 
to be an honourable person. You're created as a person of honour. That's, that's God's design. Psalm 8 verse 4 and 5. What is man that you keep thinking about him and the son of man that you visit him? For you've made him a little lower than the angels or Elohim. You have crowned him with glory and honour. So and isn't it interesting that the, the David is admiring, saying, God, this is amazing that you would treat people like this. And you have made people just a little lower than God and you've crowned him or placed a royal majesty and honour on him. You've crowned him with glory and honour. So we're designed to carry honour. That word that's used there for honour is the word kabod, meaning heavy, weighty, having substance, being distinguished. You are created to be a distinguished person. Not only that, you're created to be nobility. Think about it. Uh, in the New Testament, the word for honour is the word uh, tomeo, meaning to place a value upon someone, to, uh, to consider them to be of worth or value, to consider someone to be precious. So honour always has the meaning that someone is weighty, substantial, important, uh, has value, and they're precious to us. That's what it means, honour. That's what honour is. So if you give a gift of honour, you are adding value to people. You are placing value upon them for who they are and what they have to give. We're honouring them. Now notice then, honour then is a gift you give to people. It's not something that people should earn. They may earn it, you can earn it by achievement, and then maybe you get a, someone gives you a public recognition, someone gives you that, but most of us are used to people being honoured for achievement, honoured for money, honoured for position, but from the kingdom point of view, we honour people because they're made in the image of God. Now, if I had a $100 note, which I don't have, and screwed it up in a ball and put it on the ground and stomped it underfoot and tread it down and put it in the mud and got it up here and it's a tattered uh, piece of $100 note, how much is it worth? Just $100 still. It didn't change its value because it was treated badly. It just changed its appearance and didn't look so nice and wasn't so acceptable. But if you could look and see inside that little screwed up ball of paper, oh, I st- 100 bucks. Thank you, I don't mind if it's dirty, I don't mind if it's grubby, I can wash it and clean it and spruce it up and iron it flat, it'll come out perfect, 100 bucks. You understand? Now, so, so one of the keys for honouring people is to see and recognise the gold in them and not see all the dirt and see all the other stuff. It's not you ignore it, you gotta look past it. So, oh, inside that little wee ball there that's crumpled and crushed and covered in dirt, there's 100 bucks. Some case would be a thousand bucks. <laughs> so, so that's what I mean. So, so man is created. Now remember, man was, we were created to be the representative of God and God is full of honour and glory. So we're made for honour. We're made for it. You, in fact, when honour comes on you, you thrive. It's a great thing to have a practice in your family of speaking words and value and honour at a birthday or at a celebration. Words that acknowledge the value and worth of the person. Maybe acknowledge their achievement as well. That's always good to do. But the greatest honour we can give is just to value them for who they are. You are special to me. And I appreciate this about you. It's important we learn how to make that a gift to people. Not because they deserve it, but because we are people made in the image of God and He honours us and we honour people as well. That's how it functions. So we're created for that. So it's only sin that introduced dishonour and shame. And so you've got to realise that dishonour and shame and all those kind of things flow out of the fallen man, but Jesus came to redeem all of this so we could be people of honour again. And not only people of honour, people who know how to honour other people. 
because honour will cause people to thrive. When you value people, they thrive. It creates the environment within which their giftings emerge, what they have to give emerge. In fact, it's exactly true that when you dishonour people, whatever they have in them, whatever gift they have, whatever they have to contribute, all of that is shut down and cannot function. Um, I won't go too deep, but let me just tell you one more story. <clears throat> I remember I had, a, uh, I had a, uh, um, a person that I was working with and uh, he was a pastor to me. And uh, looking at his life, there are many character deficits, but there was also a tremendous anointing that he carried around his life and, and giftings of certain kind on his life. And I remember looking at those giftings thinking, that is awesome. How is it you can connect and relate to people? How do you get into their heart like you do? I, this is so amazing. I've never seen this before. How do you do that? And so I just wanted to know how he engaged the heart of people. And I, and I honoured the gift that he had on his life. And yeah, there were lots of character glitches, but I just looked past them and welcomed what God was giving through him. And I was only in his ministry for a short period, but the result was I began to carry the very anointing that was on his life. Where I noticed the others around him who criticized him received no impartation of what he had at all. I remember being part of a movement and, and being in leadership in a movement, and uh, I was treated in a very dishonoring way by the leadership of the movement. I don't know what it was all about. I did the best I could to serve and do the best I could. However, there were attitudes that were formed about New Zealanders and about people who moved in deliverance. And so as a result of some of the things I could do and minister, there was quite a reaction against me. And I've had to put up with that and deal with that over many years. But uh, there was one particular situation where we'd hosted a conference here and uh, gone to great effort and sacrifice to put on a big conference here. And uh, the leader of that movement was very dishonoring publicly of me. And I remember uh, other pastors around being upset by that, as they rightly should be. Uh, for me, well, I'd learned to deal with that kind of stuff. And I, but I remember going home and saying to Joy, I said, Joy, when there's dishonor like that, there's no culture for you to thrive. And I said, so I ca they can't see the best of what I have to give them in that culture. So I said, I'm not choosing to leave, but I reckon God will shift me. And I said, because when I make a commitment, I made a commitment, I keep it until God says otherwise. You never leave because of reaction or because you've been treated badly, you've got to grow through that. But there comes a point where God will do something. And so I remember saying to her, I said, I reckon God will not permit me to be contained under a culture of dishonor like this. And so, uh, and sure enough, we had a prophet come to the church and he prophesied a change, a significant change. It was very clear what he was talking about. We had a second prophet come. I thought, well, that's well interesting that God spoke in that. Then we had a second prophet come and the second prophet prophesied and he actually prophesied and gave a specific date and time in the year when the change would take place. And when I came before the Lord with it, he said, I want you to make this change now. And so I was able to let go and be grateful and thankful for the season of learning and walk away. And even in walking away, I was dishonored and walking away and falsely accused, all that kind of thing. But what I learned is this. I learned that in the midst of dishonor, you can still be a person of honor who honors others. In the midst of dishonor, you can let God grow your character because he values you. But God will never want you to remain in a culture of dishonor because it will stop you emerging, emerging, coming your very best. So he will speak to you eventually because his plan is for your very best. How about that? Okay, then. Well, you're getting quiet about all of this. Okay. So a thing that I have learned is that every one of us longs for honor. 
everyone. Everyone longs to be valued. It's, it's natural to want that. It's actually part of who we are as a human being to want to be valued. The problem is where we find it. The true source of honor that's, that's eternal and lasting is God himself. So his desire is we turn to him in a relationship and out of that relationship with him, we seek the honor that he alone can give. There is an honor that God has prepared for those who serve him. If you could understand how big that is, and I can't go into it now, the honor he's reserved for you if you'll be faithful serving him, you will overcome every opposition of people dishonoring you because your eyes are set on something bigger, something eternal. You get honor in this world, it lasts a few moments. Great, you're on a stage, clap, 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 hooray, you did this, you did that, wonderful, then it's over. It doesn't last. But there's an honor God has reserved for those who faithfully serve him. Let's read a scripture. And uh, in 1 Samuel 2, verse 30, Therefore God, the Lord God of Israel says, I've said your house and the house of your father would walk with me before me forever. So God is talking to Eli, and uh, he's talking to him about what he has been doing and in, in the role he's fulfilling. And the Lord says, Be it far from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now you notice there, if we fail to honor God, we won't cut it in the world. There's something missing in our lives. Notice that word despise. If we despise, those who despise me. Despise means to reject or consider lightweight or not important. You say, well, I don't despise God. Really? Really? It's probably because you just don't recognize it. Uh, in Malachi, uh, God speaks to the priests, the leadership and the church in his day. And he said to them, uh, you, you despise me. And they said, what? What do you mean we despise you? We're doing everything you want us to do. And he said, no, no, you are despising me in the offerings and the sacrifices because you let people bring what's blind and lame. If you were to give it to a king, would he accept that? Am I not a great king? Why would you offer me something lame and blind and sick and about to die and think you're doing a great thing? So what he's saying is, that your heart doesn't honor me and it's reflected in the way you come before me and what you give to me. That story has never changed. That's why when we come to a meeting, you wanna come with a mindset, I want to engage God and honor God. I wanna come with a heart prepared because no matter who preaches or whatever happens, I can experience God speaking to me, talking into my life. I can have an engagement with God. It always starts with coming with honor towards him. Even Jesus spoke that when he said, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, we honor your name and character. Make sense to you? So, so we honor God, then he will honor us. So, so those who honor Jesus, honor the one who sent him. So we honor God. God places honor on us. Now, what was the problem going on here was uh, Eli was the high priest. Now, Eli had a conflict. Here's his conflict. He loved his sons more than he loved God. He honored his sons more than he honored God. That was the issue. It's a very common one. And uh, you notice there uh, in verse 29, God said to him, why do you kick it or react to my sacrifice and my offering I've commanded in my dwelling and you honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings? 
So what happened was this, was Eli had some sons who were serving as priests. We are all priests to God because we all have an offering to give and prayer, worship and service to God. And what happened was Eli saw his sons were doing something very wicked. They were committing immorality with the women. They were involved in intimidating people and taking for themselves. They were what you call abusive leadership. And Eli was faced, would he confront this and bring it to an end or not? To confront it and bring it to an end mean to put on God, on a, a God first. To fail to confront it and bring it to an end means he's honoring his sons first. When you see your children behaving badly and won't address it, you're honoring them more than honoring God who entrusted you with the children. It all got real quiet suddenly then, didn't it? We have to understand children don't belong to us, they belong to God and we're the stewards of them. So our children are in our care, we are a steward on behalf of God and we should put God's plans and ways first, not in a legalistic, harsh kind of way, but when people are doing things wrong, you need to stand up to it, speak about it and say something's not right. So he failed to stand up and uphold what God required and the issue in this case was sexual sin. They were involved in sexual relationships with women they're not married to and God said it's dishonoring to me, it's dishonoring to them, it's dishonoring in the culture, you need to address it and stop it. And because he didn't stop it, it cost him his priesthood, it cost him the generational blessing and prosperity. Everything was lost because of that. Honoring God is really important. And God, God looks at our heart and our motivations. Eh? So outwardly, these people look good. They're dressed up, they're performing well, but God looks upon the heart. And basically, this man in his heart really placed little value on God. He was more interested in looking good before people. That culture of looking good has seeped into the Western church. It's not what you look like to men that counts. It's what you look like and are really present in your heart before God. Think about it. Think about it. So God searches the heart. And look at this one here uh, in Jeremiah 17:10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the motives, giving to every man according to his ways. So when there's honor towards God, it's expressed in our attitude towards him. It's expressed in our words, the way we talk to him and talk about him. It's expressed in our thinking towards him. It's expressed in what we do, honoring God. And so God, look, God, you can't fool God. <laughs> you can't fool God. We can't just draw near and go through the motions of praying and blessing God. And actually our heart is far from him. He's wanting our heart. So true so that gets us to a thing then that, that uh, there, there are benefits of honour and there's a, an, uh, there's a reward that honour brings to us. So what about the benefits of honour? Now I'll give you, I'll give you four of them immediately. And, uh, but I want to just show you this in the, in the Bible in Jesus, uh, in, uh, the way he honoured. And so here it is in Luke 2, 51 and 52. And uh, you remember Jesus at the age of 12 has gone down to the temple and now he's learning, he's preparing for his ministry, he's placing the call of God on his life ahead of everything else, and he's honoring God with that. When he's there, his parents leave, and they, they leave him behind. And they realize after one day leaving him behind, he doesn't know where he is, took him three days to find him again, they never thought to find him in the temple. They're just not thinking about his future from God's perspective. And uh, so they got upset with him a little bit and said, why are you doing this and why did you do this? He said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? I said, no, we don't know anything about that. Why don't you come home with us? 
Get away from that church, come, away, come home with us. That's basically the essence of what went on. Now notice what the issue is. He's at the age he should be being prepared for his future calling and his parents didn't recognize that and overrode his will and in this case, the will of God for him. So what does, what does Jesus, the son of God do when his natural parents are speaking to him and resisting what he knows is what he ought to be doing. Well, read it and then see the benefit. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. So Jesus recognized the biblical command to honor your father and mother, to respect them. The issue is not whether they were right or wrong. The issue is, would he honor them enough to respond to them rightly? And it says he went down, in other words, he left where he was and he went back with them. And when he went back with them, notice what the blessing and the benefit was to him. He increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. God put something on him because he responded to the representatives of God in his parents. We're getting quiet on this. Here's another one that Jesus honored. Another one that Jesus, here's another one in Matthew 3, verse 13 through to 16. Now, Jesus has now got to the age of 30, so he's not dependent on his parents anymore. He's running the family business. He's got all the family tied up in the business. His father has died, and now he's at 30. He's got to now begin his call. And so he left where he was, and he traveled 60 miles by foot to find John the Baptist preaching at the River Jordan. And in Matthew 3.13, Jesus came to, from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized of John, and John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized you. Do you come to me? So now you notice, now there's a conflict over this thing. And uh, Jesus replied, let it be now. It's proper for us to do, do this to fulfill righteousness. And John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming upon him. Now, here's what he did. We noticed at the age of 12, he honored those in authority, his parents. Now, at the age of 30, before he begins his ministry, he is honoring a, a man anointed by God who's in a place of authority. He submits to his ministry to launch his own. So Jesus shows and demonstrates that within the kingdom of God, you must recognize and honor those God's placed over you. He didn't say, yeah, that's just my cousin. Cousin bro, hey, John, you know, six months. He's only a little bit old. See, John was only six months older than him. And, and he didn't say that. He went to him and John says, whoa, wait a minute, I know who you are. I gotta submit to you. He said, no, you are God's anointed ministry. I am recognizing not my cousin, I'm recognizing a prophet ordained by God to the nation and submitting to the prophet office so it can launch my ministry. And he has an encounter and the heavens open up and the Holy Spirit falls on him. Whenever there's honor, you'll always find God responds. And so you notice there that, in, and we read those verses, we find with, with uh, Jesus, it found, first of all, favor came. Honor caused favor with people and God. Dishonor causes people to shut their heart towards you. When you honor and value, say, say the simplest thing is you say thank you. When someone does something for you, honor what they've done, you honor them, thank them and appreciate them and tell them how much it meant to you to do that and that opens their heart to give more and to respond to you. You shut them down in a, a, 
unthankful or disrespectful, then people's heart closes up against you. It's just a basic principle in life. It's true of the kingdom of God and heaven. It's also true on earth. When you dishonor people, their heart closes up. And they basically then dishonor you and pull back from you. It's just what happens. If you want to have favor with people, learn to value people, honor people, appreciate people. Honor will give you access to people. I have met the most amazing people at all stations in life. And one of the things that's helped me there is I've learned how to honor them and learn how to relate correctly to people that have a higher rank than me, to recognize it and respond. I found it quite puzzling. I was with, uh, we introduced Apostle Maldonado into our nation, and I remember being with a group of pastors, and uh, we had a special opportunity to have a meal with them. Now, to me, I understand very clearly, you recognize a person, you look past the culture, you look past where they're from, you look for what they carry in the spirit. You look for what God has put upon their life. And so in doing that, I positioned myself towards him. And I noticed as we had a discussion later on, because <laughs> he said, I've been watching you and how you operate. He said, I've been watching you. And I noticed that you can hold your rank and you know where you fit. And I said, that's true, I do. And I got great favor with him and great access to him beyond what a lot of people would have in a very short space of time. But anyway, I had these other pastors come. So we all sat down for a meal and I could not believe it. All they wanted to do was talk about themselves. And I thought, you've got an opportunity to sit with someone who carries a mantle that's touching the nations, carries a supernatural dimension, why are you talking about yourself? You don't understand rank and honor. If you understood honor, you would shut up and you would ask good questions that draw out of the well what they know that they're not telling you yet. And in fact, it was so bad. The next night when we had the same a meeting with some other pastors, I had to get them aside before they had the meal, saying, do not talk about yourselves. What are they doing? They're just trying to impress him. Why are you trying to impress him? It doesn't matter whether he's impressed or not impressed. He's ahead of you in things of God. Find out how he got there. Ask questions. Good questions uh, will open up the heart of someone to talk with you because you are valuing what they have by listening and asking questions. But if you just want to talk about yourself, you're not valuing them, and so the well of wisdom is shut down to you. Uh, see, when, when you are anointed by God, when you're carrying an office and a call of God, then there's what you know, and then there's what God knows that he brings through you. And what God can bring through you when you're operating in your office and your calling is far greater than what you really know and could do. And so when people respond to me and they recognize the office and the calling, I feel the anointing flow. And afterwards I think, oh, where did that come from? Where did that go? I didn't even know that. How did I, how, where's that? But it's the flow of the spirit because the person is honoring you and drawing from you. And you'll have all had that where you've had someone really wanted to know something from you. They listened and you became able to articulate and share things that really helped them. Honor, release it. Honor gives favor. Honor opens up people's hearts. Honor gives you access to people. If you're a dishonoring person, you won't gain access to important people because they recognize you're not the right kind of person. Honor releases the supernatural. So what I've discovered is that if I don't honor the Holy Spirit, there's going to be no release of the supernatural. 
I don't honor God in my life and in the way we operate with him, there'll be no supernatural. It closes it up. Now, let me show you an example of that, how honor will release the supernatural and dishonor will shut it down. Honor will release it, dishonor will shut it down. We find that in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through to verse 6. Jesus went out to his own country. So where's he gone? His own country. For me, come to New Zealand, okay. And then his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished. Hey, where did this guy get all these things? What wisdom is this which is given to him? Such mighty works are performed by his hands. Isn't this the carpenter? Wait a minute, we know his mums, Mary. I know his brothers, James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. And his sisters, they're all here and they were offended. And Jesus said, now Jesus interprets it. And I want you to see what Jesus says is happening here and then what happens overall. He says, uh, he said, a prophet, Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his own house. And he could do no mighty work there except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief and went around the villages teaching. So he didn't let them stop him by their attitude but their attitude shut down what he had to give. Now you've got to understand that, really important. He could do no mighty work. So here is the anointed son of God, here's Jesus himself and he's come, yet he could not. He, he, it's not he wasn't, didn't have the anointing on him, it's just the Bible says he could not. No power to do the work. Now it's not because of him. It's actually because of the culture of dishonor that was around him. And there's a reason for that. So he could not. He wanted to do miracles. He just couldn't do them there. Because people, of course, will say, well, you know, how come all these great miracles happen overseas? Good question to ask. And why not here? Good question to ask. And uh, it's, it's, so notice there, there was a restraint on the power of God being released through him. Why was there restraint? Why did God not flow through him there as he did in other places where everyone was healed? Very simple. There was dishonor. There was dishonor. It tells very clear. Prophet is not without honor except in his own country, his own, own house. So he identified what the issue is. There was a lack of honor. And, you know, the reason basically is because this is his home country, hometown, his relatives, his family. And they'll look at him and say, that's Jesus. That's just Jesus. We know him. We know him growing up, you know, and he, this and that and whatever. But you understand there's a problem there in their thinking. They could not see past the human vessel to the hand of God wanting to work through him. When they dishonored him, they dishonored the one who sent him and it shut down the flow of God's gifting. That's what honor can do. It can stop you getting miracles. It can stop you getting breakthroughs. Dishonor can affect you very, very deeply. So they dishonor, and that's what he said very clearly. It's a big problem. And that's why, if you have a look at it, you think of some of the, the big ministries that are in some of the nations, they came out of New Zealand, and they didn't do much in New Zealand, but they thrived when they went to another nation that received them and honored them. Oh, getting a bit close here, isn't it, eh? But it's really important. So what were the causes of the dishonor? Now dishonor, remember, is the withholding of value on the person. Dishonor, they withheld the value and looked down on him and reacted to him. So there were three or four things that I observed in there. Number one, familiarity. Familiarity. 
It's easy to lose respect and become familiar with people because we've known them a long time. And they had seen Jesus grow up. So when they looked at him, they just saw the kid growing up in town. They were familiar with him. And what happens is they were blinded that this is no longer the little kid that grew up doing the carpentry business. This is now the anointed son of God. They couldn't see God had shifted his stature. They were spiritually blind. They just saw the natural person. They didn't see the man God had prepared to bless the nation. Because it takes, it takes honor. You've got to actually honor people to see what they've got in them. <laughs> you have to honor them first, then you see what they've got. You create the environment and they respond. And then you see, oh my Lord, that was amazing. Does that make sense? The second thing was there was offense. Offense is always rooted in pride. I'm better than you. You know, I know more. So you understand pride is what, they got offended. And they, when you get offended, you close up your heart. Who do you think you are? And away you go. You all know people that do that. And uh, we tend to close the heart. And then what happens is, this is what I've noticed is, this is, this is true right through the Bible. God has a habit of choosing people with very visible, tangible flaws and then working powerfully through them to give you a chance either to see the good of God and see what God is doing or be stumbled by the floor. And if you stumble by the floor, then you dishonour the person, you dishonour the one who sent them, you can't receive what God gave them. It makes sense? And so you may have flaws, God loves to use flawed people because He wants the excellency to be of Him, not of you. So there's none of us have been called to ministry that didn't think, God, why me? I told you, you should never have chosen me. I'm not the right person. I haven't got what it takes. You understand? That's, that's, so many of us would say that kind of thing. But, but God... He's wiser. He knows that in the right environment and with the right movement, you, will, you can actually do far more than you ever thought. And so being in an environment which is honouring and embracing and welcoming releases it. But when people are critical and negative and see your flaws and faults and focus on that, you can't get anywhere. Shuts down the gift, offence in the heart. Another thing that will shut down is, uh, is uh, judgments in the heart, ungodly criticism, ungodly criticism and dishonouring. And one of the things I've discovered is when people get, when you try to address something and they react and get offended, then they lose the ability to receive anything you have. From that point on, they cut themselves off from the life of God through you to them. I've seen that over and over and over and over. And it's not because you're, you're anything, it's just because they didn't honour God's trying to connect with them and help them through someone and they just reacted and got offended because, well, they didn't speak right or they did this wrong or they, you know, sneezed too much or whatever. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's just people get offended with all kinds of silly stuff. And they miss, God is trying to speak to me through this person to shift me. It may be incomplete, and it may, but God is still trying to speak to me. And then finally, we noticed there that there was familiarity. Uh, sorry, there was a spirit of unbelief. The spirit of unbelief is a spirit that shuts down the atmosphere and stops God moving, and it's always associated with dishonor. How about that? So even if you dishonor yourself and constantly criticize yourself and judge yourself in a negative about yourself and play down your own value and worth, reverse pride, then it attracts a spirit of rejection that stops you being unbelief, which stops you being able to receive from God. So many times I've had to pray for people who are deeply rejected and they dishonored themselves so much 
that unbelief got around and they couldn't receive for themselves. Does that make sense to you? So we all have these things. And, and you have to actually handle it. How you handle dishonor prepares you for promotion. And Jesus didn't let it stop him. He just was marvel. He marveled. Whoa, I can't believe it. I've come here to my hometown. I know you all. I know who's sick. I know got the I've come here to help you all. And then he's astonished that they reacted to him and shut down and he couldn't do anything. So he didn't stop. He found the ones who were open and prayed for them. And then he went around. He began to teach to build the atmosphere of faith. He never let the unbelief, he never let the dishonor of people stop him doing what he was doing. But what happens is the dishonor of people against a person sent to them by God restricts their capacity to function. That's a very clear message. So one of the, one of the things that I observed was uh, because Dave, my son, grew up in the church and because people saw him growing, saw him in the seasons of immaturity, which is normal for all of us, that many formed judgments against him and dishonored him. And when we went through a transition process, it became very difficult because they dishonored him constantly. And he then suffered, along with Kate, huge rejection. Because when people dishonor you, spirits are launched against you that attack your self-worth, attack your identity, attack you with uh, all kinds of things that are very, very distressing. If you can walk with, through that and keep your heart right, God will use the season of rejection to promote you and bring honor. And many, unfortunately, get overcome by that. So I really value and honor you both because in the season of rejection and the season of dishonor, you both carried yourself in an amazing way. You maintained a good heart, you maintained a good attitude, and you trusted that although everything was against you, that God who had chosen you would find a way to bring you to the front and honor you. And so we really want to honour you today for that. Come on, let's give him a clap, shall we? I'm amazed at what you become. I look and I'm glad he's leading the church now and not me because you're doing an awesome job. You're doing things I didn't do. You're doing new things and I love it all. I think it's great and I'm so proud of you both. So, 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 so you understand then that Honouring God brings favour and blessing, opens the supernatural to us. Dishonouring God shuts it down. And uh, it's interesting that Jesus, uh, interesting that Jesus, although he, he, he was shut down in that place, you look at the end of Mark chapter 6, and it says when he came out of the boat, people recognised him, and they, everyone came in thronging to see him, and everyone who touched him got healed. So at the beginning of Mark 6, they dishonour him, no miracles. The end of Mark 6, there's miracles everywhere. Same person, different culture, honour, dishonour. Make, it makes the difference. So we honour people when we receive them, we value them, we recognise what they have, we value them with our attitude to them, with the words we speak, the way we treat them. We dishonour people, firstly in our heart. Honour is a heart issue. It begins in the heart. It's always in the heart and it's expressed in the words and the attitudes and the way we treat people. I want you to understand that every person coming into this church for their first time, the thing that touches them the most is whether they are valued as a person. They don't remember the preaching. You ask them what was preached, they haven't got a clue, can't remember a thing. They remember the music, remember the nice man on the door who welcomed them and some other people who befriended them. But it's always... The question is, am I valued when I come here? And if a person feels they're valued 
they will open their heart and respond and it will release more of the life of God to them. If you're a young person, every new young person that comes in, do not stay in your click and communicate where a value you're not. Reach out and engage them and include them intentionally. If you, if, for everyone else in the church, you see a new person here, it's not the job of a, a welcoming team or whatever to, to make them welcome. We must together place value on the people Jesus gave his life for and make them welcome to us and our world. Now you don't have to welcome them to the church, just welcome them to you and then introduce them to someone else. You understand, in doing that, you place honour on them. Now they may have tattoos, doesn't matter. It maybe looks like they come out of a gang, doesn't matter. It may, you see, it's not what the people appear to be. You can look at that and what you're doing is just judging them in your heart. Oh, that's a good person, that's a bad person. And then you're withholding value. You, we can't do that. I remember right at the early days of the church, we had a move of God and we had some gang, we had a whole group of gang, mongrel mob people started coming. And they would go, come to the night meeting. So every Sunday night, we've got this whole group of them. And man, were they tattooed up and then, you know, staunch carrying on. And, and then I had, a, I, had a, I had with the other, in, I had another group of people that come into the church at that time. And uh, I won't identify what religious background they were from, but they were from an uh, evangelical background that doesn't really, that resists the Holy Spirit. But they'd come to the church because it's full of life. And then I could see the attitudes they had. So I went one day and I was talking to one and he wanted me to use him, get him to pray for people. I said, the problem with that is this. You don't want to pray for any of those people that are coming in. You just want to pray for nice people. Out of your own mouth, you have shown how judgmental you are to people God is bringing in. When I look out there, God is just bringing people in. I don't mind who they are, they're coming in. And if they're coming in and they're out of the gang, then absolutely certain God is bringing them, not me. And I said, they're coming because there's a message of life and hope. And you're saying, you don't want me to ask you to pray for them, but you'd ask me to pray for the nice people. I said, I don't think so. In fact, I think actually you don't really belong in this church. That attitude has got no place in this church. I don't want you here anymore. And out you go. And, and I did. You, people may say, well, that's a bit hard. No, because I understand that that attitude of judging and uh, looking down on people and despising people destroys the atmosphere of honour that we want to build. That all people, wherever they've come from, they're a person of honour. Yeah. It make sense? Yeah. Amen. I'm, I'm run out of time. I really need to probably stop now. But if I can just finish with a last thought then. How you receive the people God sends determines whether what he sent them for is gonna happen. I'll say it again. How you receive the people God sends to you determines whether what God had for you through them is released. How you receive the people God sends to you, people that are anointed, people that are ministries, people that God has raised up, they are a gift. Don't equalize them. If you equalize them, you're becoming familiar and dishonoring and we wanna be mateys, it'll make us feel better. No, 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 no. You always honor people that God has set in a place of authority. You honor authorities in the land, you honor ministries that God sends to you. Never become familiar because they're caring for you and love you. Always maintain honor and respect. Always maintain honour and respect because this is vital for the flow of what God has through them to you. 
when God raises up ministries, He takes them through years of training and hardship and difficulty you know nothing about. And then the person becomes the gift. And if you dishonor the person, what God had for you through them does not flow. It's just how it is. We in New Zealand want to equalize everything, but there's a place where we're all brothers and there's a place where people have an authority and a ranking in ministry. The whole kingdom of heaven has an authority structure to it. That means there's ranks. In the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's an order in this. And the Son honored the Father. Father, I honor you. I've done the work you gave me to do. And the Father says, I'll honor the Son. So honor is in the culture of the Godhead. But there's angels have got ranks. And then there's ministries have got ranks. First apostles, secondly prophets, then thirdly teachers, and so on. God has got a ranking. Then in the, in the marriage, husband is the head of the wife. Christ is the head of the man. God is the head of Christ. There's a structure or ranking. You have to understand that. If you don't understand it and honor it, it stops God doing through you, through that person, what he wants to do. A lot of women are, are, are uh, struggling with insecurities and difficulties because they won't honor the man that God has given a role in the marriage to that can never be filled by them. There may be many reasons for it, but we've just got to deal with our honor that we actually remain honoring. Sometimes people are broken. Sometimes there's issues there. Sometimes the men are not responsible. And sometimes it's just because they've lived oppressed so long they don't know how to stand up. But don't dishonor because people are broken. Honor them still. See? Think about it. And now, where are we going to learn about honor? The first place you learn it is at home. Ephesians 6, verse 1 and 2. Children... Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well for you and you may live long. Now, here's the interesting thing, that your parents are the very first authority figures in your life. Therefore, you learn your attitude to respecting authorities through them. They may be neglectful and permissive and tolerant. They may be oppressive and abusive, but still we need to honor. Honor is an issue of the heart, that in spite of their shortfallings, God still has given me life through them and I should give them a place of honor. Do you understand? Now, honor must be learned in the home. Now, get this. I'll just finish now with this. It's common today for people to adopt what you call a child-centered training program process or child-centered process with children. It's completely ungodly. How will they ever learn to hear the word no and yield. How will they ever learn to honor authority, honor and respect God, if the first representatives, the physical people in front of them, they don't honor them? So parents, we're required by God to train the children to respect authority, not answer back not have their own way, not fuss and create a tantrum and get what they want. That is ungodly. That's acting like Eli and preferring your children above God. Honouring your children above God. It will end in destruction for them and sadness and grief and shame for you. I'd share a lot more and I've just got to finish and tie it up. I just wanted you to get this understanding that the home is where we establish patterns of honour. Honour for parents and honour for one another. Honour for the elder brothers, 
honor also for the younger ones. That's where, you're, that's where God has mandated we learn it so we can then enter into the promise God has said, life will go well. I can share with you this, out of all my counseling over years, I keep finding a single problem emerges almost all the time. At some point, they dishonored parents and they're now reaping failure and pain and disappointment in their life. And I have to bring them back. You fail to honor the very people that God used to give you life. If they did nothing else, they gave you life and provided for you. By dishonoring them, you have cut yourself off from God's blessing and the promise of a great life. If you will repent and turn back to honor, God can then position you. You'll position yourself for the blessing of God to flow. It is so crucial this. Honor begins in the home. Honoring your parents, honoring those above you, and honoring those who are younger by valuing them and investing in them. In God's kingdom, authority doesn't rule over people. It invests in them and blesses them. It protects them and creates an environment where everyone can thrive. Honor will make you thrive. Dishonor, you'll wither. How great if we could look at our personal lives and deal with the issue of honor. If you've been dishonored, you need to actually address it through forgiveness and repentance and dealing with the grief and learn to be a man and woman of honor. If you've dishonored your parents, you need to address that by dealing with your heart issue towards them and all authorities in your life. You see, if there's dishonor towards your parents, they can't correct you. They can't advise you. They can't give you wisdom. You can't receive anything. Basically, that supply for you is shut down. And then when you go out of there, every boss who tries to correct you, pastor who tries to speak into you, any, anyone in the spiritual authority that tries to direct or give guidance to your life, you will be in reactionary, offended mode and can't receive. You stop yourself receiving. I can tell you the heartbreak of pastors in New Zealand who have tried to help people in their journey and they react, dishonor them. Dishonor, not just the person, the ministry that they carry. They shut down the hand of God against themselves and then they go into a wilderness of difficulties, not just them, but their families also. These things are very important. We've got to understand and learn how important it is to honor, honor authority, honor the King, honor all those above us, honor our peers and respect and value them and honor those who are entrusted to our care or who perhaps need our help. Amen, why don't we close our eyes? Father, we know that all honour comes from You. You take broken people and raise them up and do amazing things. Father, come. Just while our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, Jesus made an amazing statement. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And he that serves me, him shall my Father honour. Our first step to honour is to come to Jesus Christ, to receive Him as our Saviour and make a decision, I will serve Him and I will follow Him. To serve Him means you do things for Him. You do things that He requires of you, things He asks you to do. You, it's the issue of obedience. But to follow Him, oh, following Him means you are now allowing Him to shape your character and attitudes and mature you into a into a mature son and daughter. Today I want to ask you, have you experienced dishonour 
Who caused that? Would you deal with that today through forgiveness, repentance, and making a decision not to allow that to make you a person of dishonor? If you struggle with authority to honor authorities, you speak disrespectfully of them, you criticize them, and some it's very easy to do that because of how they behave. We've got to watch when we start criticizing governments and people in authority and officers and police and pastors and various other people, we find ourselves cut off from the wisdom and favor of God. Just repent right now. I did it in a moment and it changed my life. Are there some of you needing now to treat your spouse with honor? The Bible says, wives, respect, honor your husband. But he also says to husbands, husbands, honor your wives and dwell with them according to knowledge. In other words, give them honor constantly and have a listening ear so you can understand what's going on in their world and how you can help them. Children, honor your parents. Parents don't provoke your children to anger and dishonor. Is there a place you need to start to restore honor? Is there people you've spoken against and dishonored that you need to repent of it and withdraw the words and judgments? We want to position ourselves to be a church full of honor. We honor people who come in. We honor one another. And we especially honor the gifts that God raises up to bring us into the blessing of God words, attitudes, kind actions, appreciation, a gift, whatever it is you do, let's be people of honor as God intended. Let's build here a culture of honor where we value people and we value who they are and what they do and what they have. Just right now, if you know God is speaking to you about that issue, just quietly raise your hand. God is speaking to me, an issue of honor in my life. I've been dishonored and I need to actually forgive and let it go and address the pain and impact. I've been dishonoring of people over me, my parents, my mother, father, spiritual leaders, government leaders, wherever I found them, I've been always reactionary. I need to repent. Or perhaps you're a parent and you put your children before what God requires. And in doing so, honored your children more than you honored God. You'll learn to stand up to them. So whatever it is, if you've had some place where God spoke to you, why don't you just raise your hand right where you are. Just do it right now. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You're speaking to us to be people of honor. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless. Amen. Why don't we stand and we'll kind of flow back into that song, Our Father in Heaven. We honor your name. Come on, let's just stand together. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We welcome you, Lord, to come. And Lord, as we worship, we're asking in that presence that healings will take place.